Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. You're listening to Arrival Audio recorded live at Arrival Orlando 2019 and distributed here by Tourpreneur. How do you begin to design a major new attraction in a destination that already has it all? In this talk, attractions veteran Jason Horkin, executive director of New York City's Hudson Yards Experiences, walks us through the design-led approach they took to develop the vessel and the edge. Hello, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Oh, this is the attractions industry. How's everybody doing today? Excellent. Much better. So today, I'm going to talk to you about something that a lot of people don't really think about, and it's about the science of designing an experience. A lot of people tell me attractions is an art. You have to understand millions of people moving around. You have to understand how all this works. I would argue it's very much a science, and I'll explain to you really how we've really taken the idea of science and applied that at Hudson Yards. I like to show this, this slide here. This is my career, my Asia tour, I like to call it. Um, I started my career in California, started at the Disneyland Resort, worked there for about 10 years, decided it was time to do something a little different, uh, made my way to Hawaii, where I actually taught at the University of Hawaii, taught attractions management. Um, then I made the big leap and I moved to Singapore. Spent 10 years in Singapore, really managing attractions, everything from Universal Studios Singapore to large aquarium to water park to whatnot. Um, and it was here that I really learned there's a science behind the way you run and manage attractions. Then I made the big leap back to the US to New York City. So I've kind of went from LA to New York by way of Singapore, which is a very interesting path. But when I got to New York, got to Hudson Yards, the big question in everybody's mind was, how do you really develop and operate a compelling attraction, a new compelling attraction in New York City? Think about the idea of New York City and think about attractions. In the New York City area, south of Central Park, and if you've been to New York City, you'll know it's not a big area. It's about eight and a half square miles. You have some of the most iconic tourism places in the entire world. Think about it. You've got Central Park. You've got the Statue of Liberty. You've got Broadway, Times Square, places that everybody in the world knows about. Now, how are you going to actually do something that's new and something that's different? To add to the complexity, you have a very, very, very diverse market of people that are in New York City. You have a lot of domestic visitors, you have a lot of international visitors, and you have a lot of locals. It is the biggest city in the country. And keep in mind, the locals and the tourists do not want to interact with each other. Locals stay away from Times Square. They don't want to be in the tourist places. How do you do something that really can attract everybody? To add another layer of complexity at Hudson Yards, we're not your typical location for an attraction. We have the concept of live, work, and play. So at Hudson Yards, you have residents, you have people that have bought high-priced, high-end condos, 
You have people that are there to work, office tenants, and you have people that are there to play. Think about it. If you've bought a high-end condo, you don't want to see the tour group walking past your front door every day. On the flip side, if you're trying to manage the attraction, you've got to keep in mind that there are people that are living there that are part of your, your stakeholders. So it was another layer of complexity that we had to deal with as we started thinking about attractions and whatnot at Hudson Yards. So we created two very, very, very different attractions. One of them is currently open. One will be opening in a few months. Vessel is, I like to call it the stairway to nowhere. It's art meets art architecture. It's a dramatic grand eight-story tall structure with stairs. And the experience in Vessel is to walk up the stairs, look around, take in the views, and walk back down the stairs. That's the entire experience. It's designed to really be for the city of New York, for people to come and experience, hang out on the plaza in the spring on a nice day, get something to drink, hang out, go up on Vessel, take pictures with the family and whatnot. Now, Edge is a very different type of attraction. As you can probably tell, it is an observation deck, but it's more than an observation deck. We're trying to not just be the new observation deck in New York City, but a very, very, very different type of attraction. Now, when you have two different types of attractions like this, you have lots of different challenges. And as you can imagine, there's challenges from the perspective of positioning yourself and challenges from the perspective of actually operating. From a positioning perspective, uniqueness is one thing to consider. It is New York City. We are building an observation deck. How can you be unique? How can you be different than the other decks that already exist? So we spent a lot of time thinking about what can we do that's different? What can we do that's unique? And the idea with Edge is really having what I call choose your own adventure. You can come up to the top and look out from the inside of the building. You can walk out onto the balcony. You can walk on the glass floor. You can lean against the edge of the glass and look straight down 1,100 feet to the street. It's something that's very different than in any other offering in New York City. Social media is the other thing to consider nowadays. Everybody wants the Instagram moment. If you don't have the Instagram moment, you don't have an attraction that anyone wants to come to. But you have to balance. Everybody cannot have the same Instagram moment if you're going to do volumes of people in a fairly small space. So how do you manage the social media aspect? Vessel is a great example. We leaked a social media perspective picture that has become the picture that everyone wants to take. The, my very last slide, you can see that shot. But what it does is it crowds the, the entire vessel at one focal point. So we've had to really think about how you move people around to create a different experiences for different people. And then how can you attract everybody, both locals and tourists? We want to be a place that locals would like to come, but also tourists like to come. And locals and tourists don't want to be crowded up against each other. Operationally, the way we get around this is, first of all, ticketing. Now, our ticketing, we had to do a very unique thing, because as you can see, if you look at the picture of Vessel, there's not a lot of space for lines, queues. There is no ticket booth. So for ticketing, it's time ticketing, but it's time ticketing in a very different way than anyone else is doing it. We created a very organic flow so that as people have their time tickets, they just flow up. It feels very natural. Capacity is another thing to think about. As you can see, both Edge and Vessel have limited capacities. We cannot put 20,000 people a day through the experiences. We had to think of how you can program the space to be able to deal with the capacity. And queues are the other thing. You cannot have queues, right? There just aren't space for queues. So what we ended up doing, and this is really where the science comes into it, is for both Vessel and Edge, we created a minute-by-minute -minute simulation of how people are going to act in the space. So I can tell you that at 10.55 AM, we're going to have this many people in line 
to get to the turnstiles at Edge, this many people in our pre-show, this many people on the elevators, this many people on the top. And what we did is we simulated the entire process to really understand how to have the best flow and how to have the best capacity without really overburdening both the attraction as well as, as the, the staff and having everybody go crazy. So at the end of this, we kind of synthesized all of this work. And these are six of the challenges. And there were probably 150 more challenges. But we really synthesized it down to a number of guiding principles. The first one is strive for active experiences. People want an active experience. They don't want to be in a passive mindset anymore. You want to come and do things. Both Vessel and Edge have a great capacity for this. Vessel, by definition, is active. It's walking up and down stairs. Edge is very active. It's do I want to stand on the glass floor? Do I want to lean over the city? Or do I want to be a little more passive, get a glass of champagne, and hang out and just people watch people doing those experiences that I may be scared to do? Don't be afraid to break from the norm. And this was really important for us, because we didn't want to be seen as the fourth observation deck. We wanted to be seen as a very, very different experience. Do you like what you hear on this podcast? If so, join us at an upcoming arrival event to hear from the brightest minds in travel, get hands-on learning to help advance your tour, activity, or attraction business, and partake in the best networking ever. Head to arrivalevent.com to register and to learn more. And this really comes into play when we look at our time ticketing process. In a normal time ticketing process, you have tickets which are, your ticket might be 10 to 10.15, 10.15 to 10.30, 10.30 to 10.45. What happens is people are very stressed out. If you get a ticket that's 10 to 10.30, and you know that if you come a little late, you might miss your time, everybody comes five minutes early. And you get this very peaky structure of demand. As you can see on the chart here, you get a very, very, very peaky demand, and you get long lines for no real reason at all. The red line is what we're actually seeing on our vessel arrival patterns. People are coming in a very organic, a very controlled, very smooth flow. And it leads to no lines, and it leads to no real stress and no hassle and a better experience. But this can only happen by doing really all of the legwork behind it and, and having a real plan of how you're going to do ticketing, how people are going to come, how you expect people to come, and how you want people to come to really give that great experience. Third principle, and this is really crucial nowadays, the social media images are really crucial, but guests need more than just a photo. This is going to be our prime edge shot, lying on the glass floor, taking a picture of you laying over the city. But no one's going to pay and spend the time to come up to take one picture. They've got to have a bigger experience and a broader experience when they're in the space. Number four, analytical thinking rules. Everything we do starts with either a drawing of a graph a spreadsheet in Excel, or an equation of some sort. Everything that we do really is about what does the math tell us behind this? How should we do this based on the math? If we did this, what does that mean from a capacity, from a throughput, from a timing perspective? You've got to have somebody on the team that can really think in terms of analytics and really be able to break the business down into its little pieces and go through that path. The fifth one, and this one is very intuitive, but you don't always think about this. Operating strategies always look great on paper. Everything works on paper. When we opened Vessel, we were on operation strategy number one. We're currently on strategy number 28. And that's over the course of about seven months. We keep evolving, keep changing. So the, the key to keep in mind is 
put things down on paper, have a plan, but understand that it's going to change. You're going to have to evolve. You're going to learn something new. You're going to realize that the length of stay is not 20 minutes, it's 45 minutes. What does that mean to the overall experience? What does that mean to all the plans you've put in place? So really, these, these five guiding principles is really everything that I've learned over the past few years and really what we're bringing to Hudson Yards and, and having the, these ways of thinking about the business. Now this is, and we can take some questions, but this is an example. Let me get the slide to change. This is a great example. Uh, let me get it going. There you go. This is the social media image for Vessel. How do you get this image? You go to the bottom, you lay your camera on the ground, you face up, you get all the buildings, you can lean forward, get your heads in the picture. This is the image that everybody wants, but the experience is much more than this image, and you have to keep that in the back of your mind. People are going to post this image, you're going to be known for this image, but the people that are coming have to have different types of experiences. So any questions, any thoughts? Jason, thank you. So I've got, well, I've got a couple of questions. So first, so you're on strategy 28. So can you just share, say, what was an assumption that you made, say, in strategy one, or I don't know, strategy 10 for that matter, yeah. something that you just totally screwed up and you, you had to change as a result? So the, the biggest thing that we totally screwed up is this, actually this, this picture of the social media. We did not expect people to all flock to this this place to take a picture. And that's at the very base, and it really chokes up the entire experience when people are crowded there. So what did we have to do? We had to bring people through, push them to other staircases, move them around, move them in different ways. The other thing we really didn't get right from the beginning was length of stay. We thought length of stay was going to be long. We thought people would take their time. It's a lot of stairs, slowly walk up, look around, slowly walk down. We thought length of stay of 30 minutes or so. We're seeing length of stays of about 10 minutes to 15 minutes. They're coming through much quicker than we thought. What does that mean? It means that we have a lot more capacity. We can add a lot more tickets to the mix. We can move people through in a much more efficient way. And you know, learning things about that, how we do the time ticketing. We started with one ticketing database. We ended up crashing it because the volume was so much to get tickets. We now have three or four different databases that are segmented from each other. It's just a lot of learning and evolving and saying, this is broken today. It cannot be broken tomorrow. What do I do to change it? And how do I, how do I tweak things? So Jason, you also talked about so using data and, you, and building all these simulations. But you were building an entirely new attraction from scratch. So I mean, where did the assumptions come from? Where did the data come from to build those simulations in the first place? It's, you know, it's a lot of bringing, other, bringing experience from other places. So the team, you know, and the team that we put together is really an attraction specialist team that have worked in similar type places, museums, observation decks, things like that all over the world, and really thinking about, OK, what do other observation decks have from a, the perspective of length of stay? What do other places have, museums, for instance, on entry experience? How do groups come? How do tourists come? How do different people come? And it's pulling different pieces of data from different background experiences and trying to craft that into a model. That's the other reason that we're on so many different models. There was nothing like Vessel before. It really is a unique attraction. And where we started with some assumptions on theme parks, some assumptions on museums, some assumptions on observation decks are now assumptions of how Vessel actually works. And uh, so one question on the, the dynamic ticketing and to manage the flow of travelers. Are you using variable pricing to kind of influence when uh, your attendees kind of come? We're currently not using variable pricing. Right now, we're using variable supply. Um, so 
demand exceeds supply basically every day. We're using variable supply to control it. And you know, we give more tickets are available in the early morning, less tickets are available at sunset, and we're really using supply to manage it right now. Uh, but so that would seem like a real opportunity to yield up on kind of high demand periods. Uh, why aren't you doing that? We're trying to get a baseline. So what we're trying to do right now is get a baseline of activity. So when we layer dynamic pricing on, we have a, a sense of how we should layer it. Going right into dynamic pricing without the baseline, kind of, we, we've talked about it back and forth, and it doesn't let you really understand, are you really squeezing every last dollar out? So the idea was for the first year or so, go with a little less revenue, get a baseline assumptions, and then really push dynamic pricing in later. And so just one last question I got to ask. So you're, I know New York is a big market, but you're going up against the Empire State Building. You think you got a shot? I think we have a great shot. I think we actually have the best view of the Empire State Building from, the, from Edge. Um, we're the only place in town, I think, that you can really get a photo of you with the Empire State Building in the background, um, and really the, the crown of the building. So, you know, the market is big. New York is a huge market. It keeps growing. There's plenty of room for attendance across all four of the decks. And I think we have a very, each one has a very different perspective and a very different view and a very different piece of what you kind of get when you experience it. And I think there's plenty of room for everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Horkin. Are you interested in being a part of the arrival community of tours, activities, attractions, events, and experiences? Then join us at one of our events in the U.S., Europe, or Asia Pacific. Head to arrivalevent.com to learn more.